Welcome everyone to Flyover Footy. This is Phil, and uh, by the looks of my notes, this is projecting to be a very long episode. <laughs> we got two pages here, uh, but I am so excited to be here with my uh, St. Louis soccer friends. Uh, we'll just start uh, to my left here. We have Santiago Beltran. How are you, sir? Doing great, Phil. Uh, it's been a while, but I'm yeah. ready to talk about soccer. It's been way too long, and you know we've missed a lot of uh, news, and we're going to try to catch up on that today, and then become a little more regular, hopefully, um, as long as Delta variant doesn't uh, <laughs> disturb things too much. We're all vaccinated here, though, so I think we'll be okay. Uh, Stuart, how are you, man? Uh, I mean, doing good, doing good. Just uh, there is a lot going on. There is not to not to mention wiffle ball, which I called wiggle ball in our. <laughs> <laughs> messages earlier how was that tonight oh it got canceled tonight because of the weather but it's pretty serious uh semi-serious little wiffle ball tournament i've got going with some friends so it's uh best of seven and my team's up three to one so hopefully next week weather permitting we'll wrap up the series dude if, oh, maybe some scouts out there <laughs> yeah. hopefully not <laughs> La Liga style in St. Louis. That's the uh, rumors I've heard um, about how that works. But uh, a friend of mine threw... I, I played normal wiffle ball growing up like with my friends in the neighborhood. When you become an adult with wiffle ball, the pitches that people throw, because you yeah, can like wedge your finger and, yeah. in the in the holes, it's There's insane. There's a lot of movement. It's wild. I, this guy pitched to me and I hit maybe one and everyone else hit none. So I was the best, I want to point out. But uh, Matt, how are you? You've been talking, I'm sorry. I'm What's good. Up, I'm happy to be here. We got the dog days of summer. It's hot. It's There's a lot of soccer going on. There is. Yeah, national soccer and MLS and USL soccer. Sometimes at the same time, unfortunately. Often at the same time, really, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'd say we'd touch on that, but that's not even in the top 10 tonight. So uh, let's get on to it. Let's get on with news. Actually, and let's start fun because Matt and Stuart, you guys went to a Ford Madison match with a whole bunch of Luligans. That looked like a blast. Looked like a lot of fun. It was. It was. I mean, it was awesome. Um the flock hosted us. They're a fantastic supporter group. Um, the, everything they do up there is top notch. It was a really fun experience. Madison's a great town. Mm. Um, I'd been up there for work a little bit before, but never this kind of a trip. And being up there with with friends and, and family, it was it was a blast. Yeah, you you can't have a better stadium location really than Bree Stevens. It's uh, right next to downtown. I mean, you're outside of the stadium and you're looking at the Wisconsin State Capitol. Um, and Madison, how it's set up as a city is between uh, Lake Monona and Lake Mendota and Bree Stevens Fields and uh, UW's campus is in the middle of those two lakes. So it kind of funnels everything in. Everything's nice and nice and packed together. Super walkable. It's a historic stadium. I, I think it was built in 1910 or, or something mm-hmm. like that. Uh, former baseball stadium, and perfect, perfectly converted. Just, I mean, in some ways, it's like a miniature Providence Park. And um, nice. It's just absolutely gorgeous, and and they've done everything everything perfect there so the game was an absolute blast except for the ending of it which the uh the official gave 10 minutes of added time comical um, it was ridiculous just absurd n- can't even i still to this day can't figure out why 
Yeah, was there an injury? Was someone cocky-calfing over there or something? Cocky-calfing. <laughs> there was one goal in the first half, and there was one yellow card in the second half. So there was a yellow card in the second half, and they had a hydration break. Uh, altogether, it should have been break. maybe five minutes, maybe six if you want to stretch it. But Weird. Um, it it seems like he gave him some extra time, and uh, that was really one of the few times that Fort Lauderdale really challenged hard, and they mm-hmm. just got it in. I was a little surprised to see that. Yeah, I guess in the first half, Fort Lauderdale had a, a couple chances, but... The stadium, the stadium is awesome, though. I mean, historic. The team store is kind of this like underground, hmm. almost in like a cavern. So that was a pretty cool environment. Um, they've got different sections in their stadium for um, like different. I don't know, almost like a neighborhood feel. But they've got um, oh, what's her name? Uh, oh, the cow. Lionel Abessi. Yeah, Lionel Abessi <laughs> and Rose Cowbell. I think it was. Yeah, yeah. that's right. Yeah, yeah. love it. Yeah, so that, I mean, that was hilarious and awesome. And yeah. their supporter section, I kind of want to call it safe standing-ish. Oh, I mean, no kidding? Yeah, it's safe standing, except there's no space. <laughs> there's no, definitely no space. Yeah. No, they're, it's compact, and I mean, they're, they're safe cuddling. fun. They've got a nice capo stand right behind the, the one of their goals. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah, big platform. Pretty, I mean, it's it was fun. It was a blast to be in that supporter section. Um, they've got some really innovative chants. Uh, so they they really go all out, and the area outside of their stadium is it's built up pretty well. I mean, they've got breweries, they've got a distillery right around the corner. Mm. It's it's a nice environment, and it's like a mile from the capital or so, uh, with the lakefronts. You really can't beat it. It's awesome. You guys went full mingo. Absolutely, definitely went full mingo. <laughs> um, and it's also fun after the games. The um, Ford Madison team goes over to a hotel across the street so you literally go across the street and the flock goes over to uh, hotel indigo is what it's called and they get beers they hang out after the no match way and then the players come over and they mingle with the fans uh mingo with the fans uh. And, uh, <laughs> the uh, the team has their post-match breakdown and their team dinner at the hotel no so it that part is separated from the uh from the flock but it's it's a really cool kind of that's incredible it, it almost reminds me a little bit of um how memphis has their post-match thing where uh, who's who's the memphis supporters group again mm, i don't remember um, mafia yeah, 901 Mafia. Yeah. Mm. And they, they have a, a little bar that they go to that's underground a couple blocks away from the stadium. I mean, they didn't have any players stop over, but it was a similar kind of... Kind of vibe, yeah. Yeah. So... I I want nothing more than to go out drinking with a player after a game. I've asked one or two drunkenly, and I'm embarrassed that I did it, but now, like... I still wish it would happen. Don't be embarrassed. I've done that a ton of times. Okay. So if you're they've, embarrassed, I need to be embarrassed. Too. They've very kindly let me down every single time. Um, <laughs> but it would be so much fun to be able to do that and just like talk about the game, especially if you won, you know? It'd be a lot of fun to reminisce on how great it was. Oh, yeah. Get yeah. some inside information. Like, how'd you feel when you did this? You know, like, was this guy pissing you off? What happened? I want to know. 
I think after a football match, though, one of the last things you want is a beer. Though. Yeah. <laughs> running for oh, not me. <laughs> I play in a beer league, though, and I, and I sub off quite often um, so that I'm okay to drink after that. Did Audie play? Is he back? Good. I knew he was injured for a bit. Uh, he was in COVID protocols okay. for um, the previous week, but nice. he was back and he started. Played pretty well and um, got some pictures afterward, and he was... I mean, Artie is such a great guy. Just very genuine, nice totally. guy. And when you made a nice two pull for him, did you? That's awesome. I made a two pull for him, but he he liked it. So we'll just <laughs> say the the Ford Madison and the um, St. Louis FC colors don't maybe match no. <laughs> or mix very well. But, I yeah. guess like green and pink was big when Hollister was big. You know, <laughs> like, I remember oh, the man. the green polos that you would pop the collar with the pink logo on it. You remember or they'd that? Have the pink stripe on the collar yeah, oh, yeah gosh. oh gosh yeah, no. what was that what do you think 2003 2002 uh, I don't even want to <laughs> back when I wasn't in my 30s uh, let's talk about Don Garber's visit to St. Louis on June 3rd I'm going to start with Matt on this one I decided not to research this one because I don't I mean it's whatever for me <laughs> it was I think one of the first things that happened since the last time we recorded yeah um, deserving of a, of a mention yeah, I, I just so don't remember what he said it's I mean nothing noteworthy it was just the thing that happened so he he came and toured the stadium um, it was one of those where I felt no big news was good news like he came they said the right totally. things the stadium's on track he said he loved it um nothing negative came out of it and we're our stadium was on track and it got some nice mls press i do remember when he came i was curious if something like strange would be said because that's what's happened in the past right like right he'd come and he'd say something funny like um it's not a matter of if but when and you're just yeah. like is it though you can't help but wonder but he didn't have any complaints. All I mean by that is that we still didn't have many details when he came. You know, there was still a lot of stuff up in the air. And so now it's very clear that everybody knows what they're doing and it's going very well. But I think, you know, that's kind of a new experience for me to feel like it's well handled. Yeah. And I think that was the first visit he did after Sacramento fell through. Yeah. So to hit on Matt's point of no news is good news. Totally. I think that was... Uh, Especially just reassuring that, yeah, no, it's it's on track. It, I mean, it's stadium construction. I'm sure we're going to hit major delays at some point, but yeah, it seemed pretty routine. It was kind of odd to be routine. Like I felt like because <laughs> they when they announced he was coming, it was like okay, we're used to if he's coming, something big's going to happen or something's going to be announced, and it was just ho hum almost or run of the mill. And it, to your point, it's we're not used to that. We're used to something it being up in the air, something possibly going wrong, or yeah. a lot of unknowns. And this was we're we're in this. We're entrenched, and it's going well. It's kind of weird. I agree. Uh, it's so nice though uh, to have things handled so well. Um, on that, you mentioned Stuart. You mentioned the uh, stadium having some delays at some point. Maybe um, one thing that really shocked me was um, Will Bramlett went and took pictures of Nashville Stadium like a month, like six weeks, eight weeks ago, maybe. And at that stage, we had more done than Nashville did. And they're supposed to use that stadium next year. Next year. And so in my mind, I'm like, all right, this is awesome. Like, we're going to see some kind of a game in that stadium next year. Hopefully not just the the uh, MLS Academy or Reserve League, rather. Maybe even like a good game. I would be a little shocked if they open the stadium to the MLS Reserve Squad. 
Yeah. I think it'll be more. And I, I don't would, know. I agree. I don't know what the national schedule is looking like. I think there may be opportunity for a women's match, but I would be. I know we're going to miss World Cup qualifiers. Yeah. Um, by a bit, so I would. I would not be surprised if it was a. And I don't know what it would be a friendly or if they're training for something, but a women's match to open it up because Austin did the same kind of thing this year where they right before Q2 opened for Austin FC, like the week before or so, they had... Yeah. No, the um, day before. Yeah, the day before. Yeah. They had the, the women's send-off, I think, to the Olympics. Yeah, but yeah. Some people were mad about that. Like, how, how do you feel about opening the stadium with a different team that is not the team that oh, is going to play? Oh, I'd be all for it because we get soccer in the stadium months before our yeah. team. Yeah. Oh, yeah, Austin, me too. Austin may be a little different because it was just the day before and you're kind of screwing the pitch up. Mm-hmm. That's fair, yeah. Uh, so I can see a little bit of an argument there, but I mean, more soccer in your stadium is always good soccer. For sure. That grass has probably been down for months anyway. You I'm know, sure. I'm sure it was in good shape. It had to be better than this Gold Cup game we just saw with over in, in Dallas. Uh, in Dallas, yeah. yeah. God, that was awful. Um, Disaster. But yeah, I mean, we're a, we support the women's team here in St. Louis, and so that would be absolutely perfect. I think it'd be perfect. It would sell out for sure. We'd get a little preview, a good practice. Oh my gosh, we're all dying to be in that stadium, right? And it's not even finished. So oh, yeah. I'm excited about that. Um, let's talk about the fan experience councils. Uh, Stuart and Matt, you guys are both in that. San Diego, are you in that? No, I'm not. Okay, cool. So um, I never asked you until just now, but you said we could talk about it. I'm really seriously been excited to hear you guys talk about what, uh, how it goes, what it's like, what you guys talk about. So Matt, why don't you get us started? Yeah, so the first few months that we did it were on Zoom. Oh that wow, was, that was awkward. <laughs> I to, bet a little bit. I mean, it was nice yeah. to it, it was nice to be able to talk soccer, obviously, with people and talk about the club. And totally. but it was um, one at a time. Ask a question, get an answer. Ask mm. a question, get an answer. Listen to people talk. Drink, drink, drink. You know, it was <laughs> like you're. It was just sitting in your room, and there wasn't any back and forth. wasn't lively. It's too hard. So I think there was like two or three of those or something. Yeah, I, I want to say there were maybe. Th- three of those before the first live one now Which, there have been three live ones i guess yeah and the the live ones have been markedly different um i mean obviously it was great to get ideas out there but the uh the live ones have been at amsterdam and um golden hoosier so they they've been and they've been great so they've been having they have different kind of topics for each each one of the sessions um there's some known stuff there's some like here's what we're thinking, what do you guys think, what are your ideas, type things. So the first one that was in person focused on the supporter section. Um, the, the guys who do show up, make noise, um, Zach, Sam, Rick, you know, they, they were there to give that the drummer perspective. Highly recommend everyone listen. Absolutely. And, and it was, I mean, great ideas. So everything from, from the drums, how that's going to integrate and where is it going to be in the supporter section, to TIFO, to the march, and all those like get get your ideas out there. They had they had maps, they had drawings. You could kind of like diagram it out. That's awesome. Um, yeah, I mean it was just it was it was great to collaborate like that. Yeah, the march, tifos. It's the business side of uh, being in a supporters group. <laughs> yeah, and uh, when it comes to tifo stuff, it's uh, yeah. You don't care. Right? Yeah, I, I don't care <laughs> at all. Okay. It's certainly not something I think about. <laughs> probably on a daily basis multiple times a day and, and sweat about uh, hashtag Tifo sweat yeah. <laughs> or, I like that we're one. talking about Ben sweat later so uh, oh yeah um, 
No, it's uh, it, what the team is talking about doing with us for the TIFO infrastructure is really exciting. Uh, there's an insane amount of work and preparation that comes into making that happen. So when you're looking at something, and I don't mean to bash at all, I thought their TIFO was great for um, New England Revolution, what they did for Paul Mariner over the weekend, which was, I'm sure, put together pretty quickly and stuff. And there's not much infrastructure in place at um, Foxborough Stadium. But it's, it's, it's probably a TIFO that was the same size as what we were doing in St. Louis FC, mm-hmm. which not small, certainly, but not compared to, you know, a three-layer Atlanta United type thing. And uh, I, I think if it's, you know, 2023 or 2027 or whatever, uh, we'll have the ability to do some really impressive things. And that was some of the things that were talked about in the fan council. So the flexibility was yeah. one of the biggest things. Yeah, basically, you know, and when, when um, Matt Seebeck and the other guys asked, like, hey, Stu, what do you want? My answer was, you know, give me all the infrastructure you can, and if we can do something with it, we will. Totally. Obviously, yeah, just... You imagine it will deliver kind of a thing. And, and they had... Yeah. They had examples that they brought yeah. for for those who they were prepared because the fan council is very diverse it's not right. just luligans it's sure. not just people who are going to sit in the supporter section Good. it's it's everyone from the soccer community in st louis um from anybody who's interested in you know, clubs and general reserve all, all those people in different pockets of the city and so they brought those to kind of say here's here's what other clubs are doing for those of us or for those of them who weren't as familiar like atlanta Portland, big examples where they were doing like multi-layered TFOs or big um, like 200 foot long TFOs Mm -hmm. and kind of saying these are the kinds of things that we could do, you know, where do you want kind of tuck points, where do you want, you know, how how do you want to arrange this? They were going pretty in depth with trying to identify what we thought would um, make for a better experience and better possibilities. That's amazing. Yeah. Make me nervous just saying like the the dimensions of some of these things because that's uh, just finding a seamstress and finding the fabric yeah. and finding the the warehouse space. That's it, it's twenty twenty two will be a, a, a eventful year for me at least. So you're gonna need those connections throughout <laughs> St. Louis. Maybe yeah, some, uh, yeah. Some real estate moguls who maybe have mm. large buildings. Totally. Yeah, I need to talk to some people over at Boeing if they have a <laughs> right you probably have talk to the painters union probably have something in mind about what the inaugural TIFO will be right uh, well I think that's something that we're gonna have to I mean it's gonna be a collaboration and I think uh, you know Mitch and Brad have been pretty open about with the Lugans it's gonna be one group of probably many and right now we're still kind of waiting for more to pop in and join up but mm. you take the lead and if no one comes forward you just do what you have so it'll be something that's probably going to be a bunch of people bunch of groups working together on but yeah as of right now no i don't have more than just a general mm-hmm. concept idea but uh you know a guy like jimmy blood is and 
I mean, they're how many designer graphic designers are in the Luligans? Four or five? Yeah, a few. And I'm sure there's plenty other in St. Louis, and maybe some of the guys from Cannonball or something will hop in. Mm -hmm. I mean, we've got how many murals in St. Louis that are just yeah, gorgeous. yeah, yeah. There's the artistry is here. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's. It'll be special. It it'll just take some work. So. Well, and I think maybe this is a shout for volunteers because it sounds like the creative side's fine. It's like the blue collar side is what we need, perhaps. <laughs> Uh, well, which I imagine is the trouble with all of these kind of things. There's going to come a day where you've got the design, and that's going to be the easy part. Right. And then you actually have to have manpower to right. make the design something that's special and memorable and can can go up on that 300-foot. <laughs> that's crazy. It's going to be insane. So crazy. It's, I'm it's so gonna, excited for it. I'm so excited to show up and have a beer and watch and cheer as you guys show me what you worked on for a week or two. <laughs> I'm not going to sleep for a week before that opening match. If we had enough people to where a week we could get it done, that would be impressive. I agree. But I'm I'm optimistic. I am too. No, I mean, at first I think it's going to be easy. It's when, you know, if the team loses a few in a row and everyone's getting bored, that may be a little Gotta get harder. those TIFOs turned out early and just have them stocked up. That's a good for... point. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> Food and drink experience is on the list here. You guys talk about that a little bit. Chief flavor officer, Jared Craft. Yeah. yeah so Let's he, just throw him in on this level. Yeah, on this one. So, so that's where that came in. So Jared was there. Um, that is his title, isn't it? It is. Yep. God, that's so good. Legitimate. Having fun with it. So that was that. Uh, that council was right after his announcement. Maybe like a day after the day of something nice. like that. Um, and it was all centered around what, what you want the food and drink experience to be. How do you want local eats, drinks to integrate? Um, where should where, where should certain things be uh, from different bars that are in the stadium to restaurants that are in the stadium? Um, what what venues specifically, um, food trucks, mm. you know, how, how should those be? Where should those be? How do you, how do you want to, um, integrate food and drink into your actual experience when you arrive to the stadium? When are you going to arrive at the stadium? Is it going to differ yeah. between 2 PM, 7 PM, 10 PM? And, and how are you going to go about like, what's your itinerary and how can food and drink optimize that? I mean, I, I know that's kind of like business speak, but seriously, how can it, how can it enhance uh, what your experience is in all those different settings because we're going to have Friday night 7pm matches we're going to have Saturday mm. maybe noon or 2pm matches yeah, Sunday 5pm there's, there's some wild start times for MLS yeah. and so we're going to hit all of those and how can how can they basically make a structure of food and drink to where it accommodates everything you're going to want in all those scenarios and what are you going to want man but it was cool to see because um, the way they did that I think that was the first one where they kind of broke everybody into pockets of people. So you had like four or five people who were brainstorming. Um, you were given a topic, like my group had like um, 2 p.m. start time. Which, and they gave five different touch points of how are you gonna be aware of the game? How are you going to, um, like wh when are you gonna eat going to the game? Like what's your to the game plan? And wow. uh, first half, half time, second half, post game, and just go brainstorm. That's cool. Especially someone, I mean, we're going to have a lot of different types of people, but like thinking about, you mentioned like, when are you going to eat on the way there? You know, like when you're a dad and if you have three kids in tow, like that is a massive important thing, right? 
Like, if you don't get food before you get there, then you better have it ready in 15, 20 minutes after you enter that stadium, or else you're going to have kids, like, you know, it's going to be a mess, right? Yeah, it's like a daily occurrence as a dad. Like, that's literally what you think of when you're going out. It's like, all right, how long are we going to be out? You know, when did they eat last? When when do they need to eat? So I'm thinking... Your livelihood is based on their moods. Right. So one of the things that I was thinking (laughs) with a two o'clock start time is, okay, um, that's going to be right after a nap. And so during for us, yeah. yeah. So so you're you're either going to skip nap, and if you skip nap, you have to yeah. think about like when you're going to eat after that. So there's all I mean, those kinds of things of if you want to tailgate, you're going to be skipping nap, mm-hmm. and if you're going to skip nap, then that means you need to like have some activities. You can't just have a, a cranky kid without things to do. Yeah, totally. So do you go to the stadium first to hit maybe a food truck? Mm-hmm. Do you hang out in the plaza out there? Um, do you go to then do you go to one of the bars and then march in do you hang out in the stadium and then just meet everybody for the march for that time like yeah and on kid and I hope I don't rabbit trail too long I'll be quick but you know I just went to I got to go to the gold cup match in KC versus Canada oh it was awesome had a great time and um, you know we were watching it it was a packed stadium and there was this kid on in a harness on a little tiny baby on a guy and I was like yes yes this guy gets it like I brought my babies to games all the time but it was so nice in the USL because I would just go to the the kid would start losing it people would cheer and scream and he'd start screaming and so I would just go behind the goal and I just stand up and rock the baby in the in the harness and um, and the baby carrier, and that was easy, right? It was they fall asleep. I could watch the whole game and have a good time still, drink a beer even. Um, <laughs> uh, I was watching that game. I was like, this guy's stuck here. <laughs> it's MLS. It's Gold Cup. Like he's stuck in that seat. There's nowhere for him to go. Mm-hmm. He did go to the top. You know, you can stand at the top of the section or whatever, and that is like very doable. I think the baby fell asleep up there, but. Um, you know, these are the kind of things you, you think about as a, as a father and, and having kids around. And I know when they mentioned that there might be puppies at every game or cats or whatever, um, there's often mini pitches and stuff like that's the kind of thing as a dad. You're like, OK, if my kid starts losing it, I can still go to the game. If he skipped his nap, we can go play soccer. We can go visit the puppies. You know, there's little side things that help a dad. You know, yeah, that's it, good stuff. Bush Stadium has a lot of good things for that where you just go to the outfield and there's places to run around. Yeah. I haven't um, done that yet, but I've heard there's like a playground somewhere too. There is a playground. Yeah, I haven't done it yet, but someday it's gonna happen when my kids are throwing a fit. I'm just gonna go. All right, sorry, that was a rabbit trail. Let's move on. Uh, Peterwood technology and content. I don't know anything about this. I missed it all. So, what what happened? What is this? This was this was the most recent one, and um, the, uh, all you can really say about this one right now is there's a lot of exciting things that uh, they're developing. Seabeck tweeted out the other day that they're they've just hired a few folks for their um, digital content team. So I'm gonna forget names here. Uh, it's Shannon Miller. It's Peter Wood, and I'm gonna feel so bad. It's the oh. director of loyalty. Yeah, that that title just. It's a <laughs> director of loyalty. Yeah. Ooh, so, it sounds almost like communist or fascist, doesn't it? I yeah. <laughs> so I think it. I mean, he announced, he announced them as the fan experience team. Yeah, and so from uh, you know, I got to meet Shannon and, and Peter at at this fan council, and the they they just wanted ideas on um, like content, like what you are excited about um, absorbing from the city or from the club, what they can put out, and how you interact, and just getting ideas for uh, those digital experiences and how 
I mean, there's a, there's a lot of there's a lot of ideas. That that one's one of them where um, they garnered a lot of fan uh, feedback, and there are some exciting things down the pipeline. Nice, Stuart. What are you laughing at? Oh, one last thing. Peter Wood, a big Arsenal fan. So we finally balance out Seabeck's Tottenham. I have nonsense. this. Yeah. Well. Gosh, you're an Arsenal fan, aren't you? Yeah. Gosh, I keep yeah. like sticking my foot in my mouth because I hate Cronky. And we I know, all, I get it. I, I get it. Cronky. But I will never not give an Arsenal fan crap for that whole thing. That's fair. But there are so many Arsenal fans in St. Louis that every time I say something like that, someone's like, hey, fuck you. Well, <laughs> you, you love the crest, you hate the owner. Yeah, it's, that's it's fair. Team in sports. Yeah, I mean. Uh, your present team excluded, Yeah. <laughs> Hey, uh, I don't know if any of us were Rams fans, but that's a thing. Uh, well, yeah, so Stu, what were you giggling about over here? Oh, just uh, my uh, dislike of all of the parking in St. Louis, I think. is. Oh, shit. We got to mention that. No, yeah. we, no, we have to. We have to. We do. Uh, I think it's a really good debate, to be honest. There's good and bad to it. Stu, you want you start us off with the bad? <laughs> Um, I've gone through and I've looked at every single surface lot that's in the area around the stadium and there are literally dozens of them mm. and obviously some of them aren't going to be available during game day but I was uh, super excited and very happy that surface lots were going away when the stadium was being built and I'm frankly just disappointed that it's being replaced with parking garage though i do understand i'm sure that's probably something that corporate sponsors require or were being sold or or this or that it's you know people driving into the city or maybe if you're paying tier one club vip seats that are you know a thousand dollars game you're not going to want to walk at all to the, the stadium i totally I understand that but at the same time like i told someone on Facebook that got some laughs out of people to me um, higher parking prices aren't a bug they're kind of a feature if you're trying to push people toward the two bus lines that end in the area and also Mm -hmm. the Metrolink in the area maybe kind of direct that traffic that way and not people parking but I think most of the people parking in this parking garage will probably be uh, high value and corporate people that makes sense. To be honest, I, I saw the parking garage. I didn't get involved in the thing, but uh, it makes sense. I, I just assumed it was just like parking for parking, but it totally makes sense that it's like for rich people. And it's not big. It's not giant. Yeah, I think 425 parking. Something yeah. like that. Yeah, four, it's, four, it's, over four, it's over 400. But. Yeah, but it, it, it's under 500. Mm-hmm. and. Uh, Anthem used the surface lot. Anthem and the police department police, yeah. used the surface lots that were demolished and bought by uh, city. So I, I don't know anything about there were this. Three, there were three surface lots that used to be where the stadium is now. Yeah, though the ones, the ones across the street at the 1900 block of Olive weren't used by the police department. Mm-hmm. The ones that were uh, catty corner were used those two that were demolished um so i i mean knowing how st louis city politics go i i would imagine the police department 
will um, be using those. We'll be using the the lot during non-game day hours. And honestly, they've been parking the SWAT truck on all of. So <laughs> I think there's probably a pretty good chance the SWAT truck will be on the bottom That's floor funny. of the new parking garage when it when it debuts. Um, I think the only the biggest negative that I saw from that, um, aside from everybody saying there's too much parking as it is, is is the first floor is not. Um, commercial, it's not retail, it's not restaurant, it's just parking. Mm. So it's not like the Keener garages, um, it, it's entirely parking. And that was, I think, the, the, the whatever the opposite of a silver lining is, it's the thing that folks were like, well, if I mean, it would have been palatable or fine if they had just done that. So there's always time to change things, maybe they will, and maybe that'll, that they incorporate that, and, you know. Well, I think they went out to bid already, so I think this is the final design, but and parking garages are um, more useful, maybe, and less intrusive than uh, surface lots. Mm -hmm. But it's a lot easier to convert a surface lot to something actually practically useful to the surrounding area than a parking garage. So from an urban planning design, I don't like it, but you know, I completely understand why the city would do it, I guess. But. Yeah, and I, I liked that argument. The, um, you know, I saw the people saying that maybe put restaurants and bars in there. Well, from a capitalist perspective, that needs to be an organic kind of thing. Like, are you just going to build these spaces and just hope that someone fills them? And then when those people go out of business, like what happens to that space? That's not helpful unless it's like really desired. And it's not really proven um, that we're going to need some spaces for bars and restaurants yet. I, I, I hope, and I think it will. I know, I noticed that you saw that Colum Columbus article about uh, the ballpark village and stuff like that. Was it Columbus? It was. So there, yeah, it was Columbus. I liked that one. So they had a Columbus, the city council recently, um, they're trying to make their downtown area into something called like a Dora area. It's like a downtown um, outdoor uh, recreation area or, Basically, they're facilitating um, grab and go drinks. Yeah. So you you can they've so got smart. their they've got their three stadiums for the Blue Jackets, the Crew, and minor league baseball. Yeah. That's what that was called, and they're basically in the same kind of row as Bush Enterprise and mm -hmm. the City Stadium. And so what they're doing is hoping that this will kind of spark growth, but also enhance the bars and restaurants that are already there. So people on game days, especially, because um, it, it, that's what it is. It's open to like I don't know, two p.m. or something on game days through the end of the day, and or through midnight, and it it basically lets you uh, take your drink and go, or facilitates a little more activity throughout the day. Partying. I mean, I mean, basically. So my, I was I was initially looking at a map, thinking where can we do this um, other than Market Street, because I could see it helping um, in some ways to facilitate growth along that that central corridor. Mm -hmm. uh, maybe on like a chestnut or a, a pine or an olive or something. Clark, um, right? Or even, yeah, even Clark. No. And then I, th I thought about, well, what if we connect the dome? And then I start getting, well, that would make Washington and Washington's bad enough as it is. We don't need that. Yeah, <laughs> I agree. That's not a good idea. Um, I'd love it though. Like even like, you know, you think about going to Bourbon Street or, you know, like you can drink anywhere along that, that area and it really facilitates a lot of fun. Uh, you know, the police might have a little more action, but. Um, but I mean, you're, you're with those areas, you're really like, not, I mean, as bad as the, the, the crime and everything in St. Louis is there's, there's hot spots. And then, I mean, I don't know the numbers, but we're talking about market. We're talking mm -hmm. about Clark, Pine, Olive, totally. Chestnut. 
It'd be fun. Uh, but what I was kind of getting to, too, as well, I'm glad we covered that, but, um, you know, I totally understand that we have too many parking spaces. And I thought that was the best point, is that parking lots are not good for a city environment, and um, it's definitely not good for public transit. Um, and so I guess I would just argue, unfortunately... Um, right now we're just a car city it's not the way we like it we'd like to be something different but we just cannot seem to flip it we cannot seem to get enough population in this city to make parking uh parking lots go away and so it's just like a necessary evil right now and i think that's the devil's advocate argument i'm not saying that's what i want um but i I would say that that's kind of what we deserve based on (laughs) the way our city has developed in the last 20, 30 years. Whatever. Yeah, and, and end of the day, I mean, it's it's always good to look at these things as they come because you, you need to look at, you know, the specific block in the building. I think it's like a, a, a full block that they're going to have that parking garage. Yeah. But end of the day, when we look at the entire project in totality, it's going to be that parking garage in addition to yeah. everything that the stadium, the training grounds, the district has has added to downtown west like totally keeping in mind that that whole area used to be failed highway connectors to what was it 755 or something yeah and just a a pit of despair and now it's going to be everything plus a parking garage so yes in totality i think it's palatable it is less than ideal to see a component of parking but uh, you know the drama of the week I think is, is, is what that one uh, qualifies as and it's it's worthy of discussion I'm glad we brought it up um, but not not the end of the world based on uh, what's going on uh, Santiago we haven't talked to you for a while why don't you talk to us about the stadium seat design that was released recently I thought it looked good yeah yeah I really liked uh, all the details the colors uh, one thing that really caught my attention uh, is the word city um, across uh, the stands uh, that uh, caused some controversy among some people. Uh, some people didn't like it. Um, <laughs> so some people would like to see St. Louis or something different <laughs> than City. But uh, to me, it it says that the team wants to be identified as City. I, I don't know how I feel about that yet. Um, but um, But yeah, I like the the colors, the safe standing, um, the city red, um, like I like all those things, um, but I know city didn't sit well uh, with some people. Well, it also seems like one of the, out of everything that could be changed in maybe 10 years down the line, I mean, seat color changes is something that, I mean, you're, you're not changing something concrete built in. Right. You might even so. have cheap changing because they're they're going to be white seats, right? So it's not like you're having to get brand new custom made city red seats to add in. Like if you add an STL in on the top levels, what people were saying, I oh, saw. Oh, okay. The so cities on the the lower level, and so the most common thing I didn't I mean I didn't see a ton. I don't think maybe I didn't look in the right places, but they were wanting STL at the top, so it would read STL city vertically. I've enjoyed. I've enjoyed the whole. I live in the city. We're sitting in the city right now, just barely. Um, so I've enjoyed that they've doubled down the city thing. But it's not just a city thing. They've been very clear about wanting to include all the regions of St. Louis. I don't know if St. Louisans understand soccer culture, football culture, right? Euro football culture, like the term city or English football culture. 
The term city is just like a soccer thing, right? A soccer brand. So yeah, New York City FC. New York City's in the New York City name, so it's not quite as prevalent as us. But they like, they do play in New York City. They do, they do. But like, <laughs> I don't know. Orlando City, they call yeah. themselves City as well. You're right. I'm sorry, I forgot about um, that. Yeah, but, but if you want to say, you know, colloquially, people. When you say city in the football community, mm-hmm. it's Manchester City. When you say United, there's yeah dozens of Uniteds out there. But when you say United, it's first team people think about is Manchester United. So, uh, I'm it, just trying to make it sound like it's not that big a deal to use the term city. It's more a soccer culture thing than it is, fuck you guys, you don't live in the city. You know what I mean? I, I think it's more, uh, for me, I, I'm a huge you know St. Louis City backer um, of of note and all that stuff but it it is uh, it is a little awkward when you listen to interviews of or people talking about it on you know the Rizzuto show or you know Michelle Smallman and Carriker or wherever when you're saying St. Louis City SC people get tripped up a little bit uh, I think like on the Riz show, they just started saying the MLS team, hmm. and that's a step back on as purpose. Far as branding, yeah, on purpose because they were getting tripped up on the oh on the my name. gosh. So if uh, I think just a simple St. Louis would have worked, or an STL across mm-hmm. freaking the I would like to see. I would like to see it get a little more like, I, and I think it will be eventually. It'll get a little more slangy. To where it won't be, it won't be like Randy Character loves to say St. Louis City SC. He says that the full phrase when he introduces Lutz, he's whenever they're talking to Twelman or whenever. I would like to see it get to a point where people understand that St. Louis City SC is our soccer team. So you could just say City SC. You could just say City, yeah. the City Sporting Director. Like you, you, when John Mozella comes on, you don't. I don't think they say the St. Louis Cardinals um, general manager, vice president, or whatever. They say Cardinals GM or. Mm-hmm. The Cardinals general manager. Yeah, I would like to see that level of acceptance and and integration of the club to like just the psyche of the area. And it's going to take education, right? Uh, and time. Yes, it's exactly. Just take time. And, and I don't think anyone should change anything at this point. I mean, no. maybe five years from now, people are still mad. People are still on the radio changing the name. It's almost an organic thing. Like I get that, but I just I I can see that as being an organic thing. Yeah. I agree, and and I think something I've been, I've all I have this theory where like if you get a soccer stadium that holds too many people and you get too many people in there, so let's think about like what FC Cincinnati fans were like. Yeah, there's thirty thousand thousand of them coming, and on Twitter they're going to start saying some really stupid things because they don't know anything about soccer, right? So like we're about to have twenty thousand fans every single game at a St. Louis soccer game. And do we think they're going to be nerds like us? No. Like a massive, a majority of those people are going to be like people listening to The Point and listening to Michelle Smallman, listening to Randy Carricker. Like they're not going to know these things offhand and hopefully in three to five years they get better. But there's always going to be this kind of split between the nerds and the, the casual fans, I think, as far as. I think you need that, though. You do. I mean, we it live, is vital. We live in a different Twitter world. We live in a yes. different like culture where, I mean, there are Cardinals fans who live in the type of of world we live in for soccer, 
Um, I mean, there's a big bleed over into the blues, that type of world, like we're really getting in the nitty gritty. You need those kinds of fans and, and you can't fill a stadium with, you shouldn't fill a stadium with us, 20,000 versions of us. <laughs> no. God help My us. My God, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I could go on about that for a while, but we should move on. Um, and and please do. Uh, DMs are open, everyone. So if you disagree with any of this stuff, I'd love to hear it, to be honest. We'll bring it in the next episode. Um, one thing I wanted to say, I'm sorry, we didn't mention it earlier, but I, I got this quote, and it's my favorite part of the Gerard Craft being named Chief Flavor Officer, CFO. Um, this quote was nice because it just shows how great the, the leadership is. This community-led program is designed to inspire pride in the authentic tastes and original flavors of St. Louis. And it goes on. But like Gerard's on board with this idea. Maybe it was his idea. Maybe it wasn't. Either way, they hired the right guy for this kind of thing. I'm so excited to see what kind of authentic tastes and original flavors they're going to offer in the stadium that represents St. Louis. That's my favorite part of that whole thing. I'm excited. Yeah, and Gerard was uh, part of the group that Matt and I were involved in, in the FX Council. So we got to talk to him a bit and just interact with him. And he's kind of a local legend. So yeah. just and he's super passionate. Super passionate, and he's very relatable, nice guy. I mean, it's... I found myself turning yeah. to him at times, like with when we're getting, you know, in the heat of the conversation, and just turning to him and be like, "Yeah, I like this," and you go on, and then you stop talking. And you're like, "What the hell am I doing?" <laughs> like I just, I just talk to Gerard like he's an old buddy. Very natural. Yeah, that's a and great he's, thing. He's that kind of, he's that kind of guy, but he's so passionate about what he does and what he wants to bring to the stadium and to the atmosphere and the experience. It's, it's really cool. Says something about the hiring. Whoever's doing the hiring around there, like I feel the same way about Matt Seebeck. You know, I feel like if I ran into him, I just talk to him. You know, and Twitter helps with that, but still. Um, the sponsorship for the official banking and club level naming rights are together. It's together community. Um, credit union, correct? Yeah. I Boy, I should have had that more together. I'm sorry. Community together credit union. I think it's the first like sponsor within the stadium, right? So yeah, the club level sponsor or one one of the club sponsors, but it's I think the first time because Purina is a kit sponsor. Yeah. This is the second one, so now we have something in the stadium that has a name to it. Yeah. So does that mean like the club level seating and tickets and stuff is going to be so. yeah yeah like Bank of America whatever totally. in Bush yeah. type of thing got it um still i mean that's exciting that'll be good i like that it's a credit union you know as a, as a whatever I mean, yeah and the story behind them is pretty cool i yep. mean they were um, employees of anheuser-busch who got together and formed a credit union years ago and they've stuck together and they changed the name to what it is now pretty recently i remember it being anheuser-busch mm. credit union I mean, maybe that switched over when uh, Imbev. Oh, maybe. I, I don't know, but it's has right a very the street from the brewery too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the location is because of uh, mm -hmm. their association, and I think Purina joined in, and their employees joined in the sixties or seventies or something. But synergy it has a very pants store FC vibe to yeah. it, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that what it was called? Is that right? Yeah, there, okay. was, a, there was a club in St. Louis Soccer League called uh, Pants Store FC. So, yeah. um, I don't even know where the pants store was. I don't either. But if I ever start a pants store, it's going to be yeah. called Pants Store. Uh, 
<laughs> announcement of a new MLS two league and it's official. We were part of the original announcement that City will be a part of it. Um, as a side note, all but four MLS two clubs are going to leave USL Championship and League One. Um, so for I thought now. this was for now, and then oh no, for the but next year for the next yeah. year, yes, thank you. And then the year after that, it's going to be everybody. All the MLS two teams will be out of the USL. Um, which I found interesting. What do you think about that, Santiago? I I like it, uh, especially for us. It's uh, great timing uh, because the academy starts playing um, later this year, and then next year you you start playing your Sorry. MLS two guys, and uh, that gets you ready uh, for 2023. Hopefully, uh, we will see um, some of the guys uh, playing in the academy teams and maybe moving up next year to this MLS 2 league and maybe uh, in 2023 being part of the roster for St. Louis City SC. Yeah, if we have a replay of uh, Charleston uh, versus Loudon that happened a couple hours ago. Uh, the score is 3-4 to four Charleston in the 65th minute and I think Charleston gets a penalty later to win this one. But, um, you know, Loudon plays really cool soccer and they're going to stay in the league next year. They're going to stay in championship next year and then go to the reserve league the following year. And, um, you know, if this is the level of competition we get, um, there's some really good in that. And then we'll see if there's some really bad in that, too. I imagine at first there will be some of that. Um, but, yeah, I mean, a lot of mystery around this league. Um, but I'm glad we have something, right? We're going to talk about, and we can even talk about it now, talking about Christian Fuchs going to um, Charlotte FC and then being loaned to Charlotte Independence today, right? And so... You know, Stuart, I loved your, your tweet about, gosh, wouldn't it be great to have a city player, the ability to loan a city player down to a USL club um, as soon as next year, right? It could, it, it, we could have a player good enough to do that kind of thing, and we don't have that option, right? But um, in two years, we will with this reserve league, I guess. But it'll be kind of crazy because this time next year, I would expect us to have... We'll have a signing. We'll, we'll have a player under contract. And yeah, we'll have an so active too. reserve league team playing. Yeah. Oh, next year? Mm-hmm. They are starting in year one. I'm 2022. sorry. 2022, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I would... Boy, they have a long way to go to get that filled. I would guess we have some of the U17, maybe two Step or three up. of the U17 guys will be under MLS contracts, homegrown or whatever yeah. it will be at that point next year. And, uh, I mean, Lutz did a great interview on... Um, uh, Matt pointed out to me, and I listened to it with uh, Carriker and Sh- Smallman. And in that, he mentioned the you know D three team that's coming, and how they really want to build a lot on the U seventeen team that's going to start this year. So he expects some of the first signings for the MLS team to come from the U seventeen. So man it's gonna come fast because yeah got that's a six, fast ramp really up fast. you yeah. got the 16 17s that are gonna start in a month or two mm-hmm. two yeah. or three months maybe and so this fall and then march of next year the reserve league team starts it's okay like you know what they may look terrible in year one i'm gonna watch every game right but um it's just something you you just throw them into the fire and see who can who can stand it and then hopefully play an mls the following year but um you know, of course, it's like legendary already. This Seattle Sounders game where they pulled up oh, second awesome. youngest team in MLS and they beat who were they playing? Austin. Austin. 
Oh gosh, sorry, Aiden. <laughs> still uh, but still, yeah, like two to one or something like that. One to, one to zero, and um, it was one to zero because who they they bring in Rui Diaz, the DP at the end scores a, a goal. But of course, yeah, it was a it was a great goal. It was too. it was a great goal. But you know, watching the highlights, like the kids battled, and you could tell they played with each other. The movement off ball, the the quick passing at times. The um, the battle in the trenches, you know, a lot of really good stuff there, and that's built through years and years of academy, good academy play, um, using uh, Tacoma Defiance, you know, like it, it, it's something that's built, um, and we're going to be in year one of that next year, and that's really exciting, even if it's ugly, it's helpful, right? Yeah, it's going to take time to build it and get it to that Seattle Sounders level, but. Um, the structure is there and we're going to have the academy we're going to have the MLS 2 team so um, yeah it's going to take time but uh, hopefully in a few years we're going to see something like this some 17, 18 year old olds or yeah there, I think there was a 16, 15 year old on the field uh, it'll be great to see uh, St. Louis made players uh, on the field and on the roster and the other thing is it's nice because we can look at what Red Bull 2 has done in the USL to, to great effect they've had they've been able to be very good um, with young players uh, Tyler Adams of course but um, the way that we play is going to be like Red Bull in some ways in a lot of ways and that works with young kids like if the system is in place and solid and we're going to get into that shortly um, young kids young athletic kids with a deep roster can really make a run it works right uh, we saw a lot of that and like people taking advantage of that with five subs even um, I think that's where was DK playing this year Daryl DK I can't think of the name of that club Barnsley Barnsley, Barnsley yeah they used it to good effect this year I think that's part of the reason they got promoted um, one of the weird things next year is going to be what well, kind of exciting is while we start up our reserve league our team the whole league is going to be starting up. So there's going to be a whole lot of unknowns, a whole True. lot of like probably shifting priorities going on from other clubs. So, yes. so and, and we've heard that MLS is seeking D3 sanctioning for the league. They haven't gotten it yet. So that'll be another thing to watch is do they get that sanctioning by the time the league kicks off? Does that impact the where some of the teams play? Because there's those professional league standards yeah. that a D3 league has to abide by. So how's that going to impact the... MLS two clubs um, is it going to change the level of competition? So while we're building our club and our reserve league is going to be the highest thing that we have and it's going to be super exciting, the whole league itself is going to be kind of trying to find its feet. Yes, there are a lot. I think we'll get into that in the next show. Like, are the, how many people can be semi pros? You know, like how there's no age limit. We know that, so we'll get into more details on that uh, next time because I think we could go on and on and on about that. Let's talk about the academy coaching staff announcement. This is one of the biggest news that I think we should be talking about today. So let's maybe let's definitely hit it hard. Um, I'm just going to list the names and we'll start with Andreas Schumacher um, is the academy head coach, but also listed were. Assistant coaches Louis Swisher, who we know well, David Critchley, Elvir Kvedic is how I will choose to try to pronounce that. Academy goalkeeper coach Tim Kelly, who we also know. Academy specialist coach Charles Rankin, of course. 
Um, here's the quote, and then I'll hand it off to you guys. Our coaches may have different backgrounds, but they all share the same passion for developing youth players. I'm confident, this is from Lutz, I believe, I'm confident that the diverse and international background of these coaches will play a huge role in developing complete young men, which is very important for us as a team. Lutz has talked about um, not just being a soccer uh, academy, but to develop holistic men, right? Who are going to be good for this world. Charles Rankin, uh, born in Africa. I'm forgetting the country. I'm so sorry. Zambia, thank you. Elvir, uh, Bosnian heritage. Um, We have uh, Schumacher from Stuttgart, Germany. Um, Again, uh, San Diego, why don't you lead us off on some of your thoughts about these coaches? Yeah, uh, so obviously uh, Luis uh, from Guatemala. Thank you. Um, I really like this diverse group. Um, one th- personally, one thing uh, when they started to announce the coaching staff, uh, one thing that I always in the back of my mind I thought was missing was uh, the Hispanic component. Obviously, I'm biased, uh, but I was I seen obviously agree uh, though as a white Africa, guy. Africa, uh, Europe, uh, but there wasn't a Central America, South American component. So uh, I'm very excited um, about Luis uh, coming on board. He's a great coach. Um, I know him personally, and I know he has worked hard for this. Uh, he has, he did very well with the U19 team, and uh, this is a great opportunity for him. Not, not only for him, but all the other uh, assistant coaches. And uh, this is a great group. Uh, Schumacher, obviously, uh, he comes from a uh, Germany experience with Stuttgart, uh, and I think this is a great group. And uh, Lutz. Um, He's putting together a great group of coaches and this team is thinking about every detail about how to develop talent, how to develop that pipeline that is going to feed the team. Uh, I can see this team in a few years and you guys probably won't like this because this is the team uh, across the state. But uh, Sporting KC, they have uh, 12, 13 homegrown players on the roster and I can see St. Louis City SC being something similar to that in a few years. Well, it's it's good you mentioned sporting, and I have no love loss for sporting, but I was thinking the other day about, uh, you know, Atlanta United has fallen off this year, and they were the golden child of MLS, and uh, even Orlando City has peaked and, and fallen, and, and Chicago Fire had a long, good run, and they were up and down, but sporting is really the market that we need to emulate for the reason you uh, you said. They're they're fantastically stable, and a big part of that is Peter Verms over there and uh, just their ownership and everything. But their academy is a huge part of it too. So I'm I'm also very biased when it comes to I think Tim Kelly is one of the best goalkeeper coaches in the country, quite frankly, the influence and talent he puts out is phenomenal. I mean, Nashville fans are raving about Joe Willis this year, and and we've seen in Tomas Gomez and John Berner and, you know, Connor Sparrow, Jake mm-hmm. Leaker. There's just, it's a goalie factory in St. Louis, and Tim Kelly is a big part of that. And uh, Luis, I, I've been huge on Luis since he started at St. Louis FC. I think he's a fantastic academy coach. Guatemalan international. I Honestly, if I would have picked two guys to 
grab out of the St. Louis FC Academy, and I think highly of that academy, it would have been TK and Luis. And I, I mean, you have to wonder also what this does with SLU. Are some of the SLU guys who worked with Tim Kelly going to maybe go to City? In my dreams, I would love to think that Schulte and Kip Keller would maybe find their way onto the City team next year, but... You know, with MLS, it seems like roster rules are always are jumping around. But I, I, I have no idea about David Critchley, to be honest. Um, so it'll be exciting seeing how a lot of these coaches approach things in uh, in the fall. And Andreas is, I don't think, going to be in the U.S. this fall, from what I understand. Not yet. COVID stuff, and Lutz is personally going to coach the U-17s from what it sounded like. So. The 16s too, right? And the 16s? I think so. Yeah. Andre- so, Andreas was going to do both, so I imagine that's what Lutz will do till he gets here. Yeah, so it'll it'll bounce around, and uh, I'm sure at some point Luis will see himself back as a U-16, U-17 coach, and everyone kind of has their own you know, speciality, so... Uh, Again, I, I don't see many faults at all with what Lutz is doing here. It, it's, I mean, not that I'm looking to to criticize him necessarily, but he, I think he's doing a great job. It's the St. Louis mentality. You're trying to find some fault in, in the stars here. <laughs> I, I, I completely agree, and I think it's, I think it's really cool to watch the evolution of what has happened so far. So you bring Lutz in. And after Lutz, quick tease to probably a future episode, but after Lutz, you had the uh, consultant hires of Bernard Peters and Mike Ford um, with Sportsology. A lot of news on that today. But from that, you can kind of see where they're trying to piece together the culture of the team and what they're looking for. And we've always talked about how after Lutz, wouldn't it be great to get... um, that kind of German football perspective. When you're, you're in, you're, you have that in now to Germany. Are you going to leverage that pipeline, especially with Bernard Peters? Are you going to take advantage of that? And with Andreas Schumacher, we see the proof in the pudding that we are clearly taking advantage of that. But you kind of tick a lot of boxes, a lot of diverse boxes with um, just geographically, culturally, experience, um, You've got Germany, you've got Guatemala, you've got, I think, Critchley's English. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. You've got Bosnian, you've got, um, where's Charlie from? Zambian. Zambian. And you've also have the local touches to all of that. Like you're pulling from, and we talked about this too. Um, when City first started up, we, we posited, are, are they going to take from Lou Fuse? Are they going to take from Gallagher? Are, are, are they going to be the... Yeah, Critchley was with Lou Fuse. Yeah, Lou Fuse, exactly. Yeah. So they're taking... <laughs> like, we're seeing, again, the proof that that's how things are developing. You're seeing um, you're seeing not just a, a worldly culture develop here, but you're seeing the best or the cream of the crop, so to speak. Like, no disrespect to anybody else who they haven't hired or who may have turned them down or whatever it was, but they're taking components... And, and leveraging them in specialized ways. So like with Tim Kelly, that's a great example of you are probably, you have the best goalkeeping coach in the area. I don't think that's a stretch to say. And he now works for City. Um, 
so it's exciting to see kind of how that's all developed over time and just all the boxes that that checks and the experience points and just the way that this staff has come to be. And this is the academy staff too. So this isn't yeah. this isn't the level where you need MLS experience, I don't think. No. To me, this isn't something where you're saying, and, and we'll get into that, where there is a component of when you hire for the first team, I think you need an MLS experience uh, at some point because of the way that that league operates. You need some perspective. But here, you're just talking about developing players. You're talking about building the culture and the identity of how you want to grow players from like the U14 level up. And this, I, I, I'm with Stu, I can't really see any fault to this. And I think the way that this developed was really incredible to see. Agree. And we'll see what Andreas is like, because he's going to be a big linchpin in how this team, because we're going to rely on this academy, right? It's very clear that that's the plan. Um, and I love it. I love the ideas. Uh, but um, here's Andreas's quote in the article released by the city, by city. Uh, we've heard Lutz talk about how this is the most exciting project in the soccer world, and I have to agree. Uh, so he's on board with that. I love that. I love that mentality. We get to lay groundwork, and that starts with making sure we have the right coaches to help us develop players both on and off the field. And then they go on to how Andreas is going to be in charge of this, they mentioned, quote, high-pressing style, right? That this is going to be from top to bottom, we're going to have this same um, culture going. And that's kind of what you were talking about there, Matt. I'm excited to see that. Um, the other thing that I love to, I just wanted to say that I think Luis is so cool because yes, he's Latino, but it's not like he came and installed this Latin style soccer because it's not like when he won, what was it? Third place that St. Louis FC got in the USSDA uh, playoffs one year. It was blue collar soccer. Luis fits perfectly with this high press system. Like he, I think to his credit, he came to St. Louis and saw what we had talent in and it wasn't flashy, right? It can be at times, but we worked hard, right? We pressed high and we beat a lot of those flashy MLS um, academies um, with, they have high talent, uh, but we were able to outwork them. And I think, I love that they gave Luis a shot. I think we all thought he wasn't going to get a shot and I'm so glad he's on board with that, right? Um, so that was my favorite part of his hiring. Any other thoughts about the uh, coach hirings? Thanks for letting me babble. Um, one one oh, other thing uh, beyond the coaches, once we get into league play, it is going to be interesting watching City go up against Gallagher, City go up against Fuse, having these connections in addition to them being City Derbies of an academy level. Yeah, yes. Lou Fuse is in MLS Next as well. I love that, love that, love that. Um, again, we're going to get into this... Um, Mike Ford and the the recent um, hiring things next time. It's a really cool thing that Matt kind of brought to my attention today. So maybe do your research uh, until next show. Start looking into that kind of stuff and who they've been working with, other soccer clubs in MLS and NBA and all those things. So. It's not new for City. City's been working with him since Thank you. close to the start. Yes. Yes. For better or for worse. So don't jump to conclusions. <laughs> right. Matt's going to crush those conclusions. <laughs> um, my favorite news in the last few weeks, which is hard to say, but I'm going to put this number one in my book. I love the community clinics that they're about to do at Cardinal Ritter. Um, here's the quote. We believe every kid in St. Louis deserves a chance to play soccer. Learn about our community clinics, blah, 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 blah. That was their tweet. 
Um, and so they're giving free clinics with all the coaching academy staff that we just mentioned, I think is going to be at these things. And it's for what, five to 12 ages, five to 12. I'm going to try to get my boys into one of those if I can make it, um, if it's not too late. Um, but they said they'd provide as many as they want. Right. So these are like really high end coaches. They're going to teach your kids the basics of soccer in, um, a downtown location. Perfect. Right. What else can you say? I think it's I think it's a fantastic way to just expose more people to soccer. Yeah. Um, whether and it's a free clinic, you know, whether they have the opportunity or not, it's it's a quality in that sense. Um, and I especially like that it's your son or daughter. Um, one of the things that Agreed. we heard here periodically is, oh, are you going to start an NBSL team, women's team? Where where's that side of the fence? Um, this is fantastic to see as a father of two daughters this is amazing to see for the community i like the equal opportunity um not just for the cost but for you know gender equality it, it's fantastic to see good stuff I think that's a really great way to start this because uh, again we've talked about how they've got a large hill to climb as far as getting all cultures and all people involved in this sort of thing. So um, I'm going to give us another eight minutes or so. Um, it's going to be an hour, 15 minutes, hour and 20 minute show. Uh, but I really wanted to touch on the rumors because it was reported. So we can talk about this. Like we're not saying this stuff's true, um, but usually when Jeff Reuter puts something out into the ether, it ends up being true, especially um, some of the stuff that was reported on by all three, uh, the Trinity of Reuter, Tenario, Tenario and Sam Stayskull, right? That's um, hard to debate those kind of things. So here's a tweet from Jeff Reuter. John, ha- John Hackworth informed Louisville City players that he's stepping down as head coach. This was several weeks ago. Won the USL Championship Final in 2018. Um, oh my goodness, this is not the tweet I meant to post. Basically, he was saying that um, Hackworth, there's a tweet out here saying that Hackworth was going to be part of STL City in some form or fashion so, on the athletic side, right? Sporting side. I forget who the tweet came from, but there was a, the first way that this started. I think I at least that I got the wrong one. The first way it came into the ether was um, a tweet came out and then was subsequently deleted. That <gasps> uh oh that talked about um, a particular academy signing and oh that one okay that Edward. was from from David Hurd who is active on big soccer. And he's got quite a following. He's he's a reliable guy. He's connected. He's connected. He's done the work. Um, and there were two other people that are very connected who usually are right, right? Posting the same thing. Yeah, Matt Ralph um, was one of them from Brotherly Game uh, out in Philadelphia. And that was uh, the leak of, well... To be determined, that was uh, that St. Louis City. League. I think that's as much as we should say, though. It's not like official or anything. Yeah, you know? it's well, it's and just and, a rumor. And and the other than the academy, the thing that was picked up by Sam Paul and Jeff with the Athletic was that they're reporting in one of their notebooks that Hackworth is working with St. Louis City. Yep. Here's the quote. I'm so sorry I got the wrong one before wrong. Um, He'll join MLS expansion franchise as St. Louis City SC with a technical role that will have direct involvement with their first team and the academy. So it doesn't sound like head coach. So I think that we can rule that out. Probably. Maybe. Not necessarily, I guess. sound like head coach. Um, Also a very 
abnormal way for it. Still a, too soon for yeah. a head yeah. coach. Lutz did say that the head coach, and this was a few months ago, head coach timing we could expect January, February of next year. Yeah. This would be real early for that. But that's a quote directly from an article, so I think we can you know, give that whatever reliability you put on those, those three that I mentioned earlier. Um, he was let go by Louisville, and then this other thing also happened. And I just want to mention this because it's news and it's fun gossip to talk about, I guess. Um, because there's several contracts, I guess, that had to do with he signed players that if he left the club that they could also leave, right? So this interesting, you know, if you're a USMNT fan, you know about Jonathan Gonzalez as a, a great Louisville City. Gomez. Left, oh, Go, Gomez, thank you. Um, Jonathan Gomez, um, great left back, uh, 18-year-old, I believe. Oh, no, 17-year-old. He's not 18 yet. Uh, playing for Louisville City who could uh, almost got a call up to uh, the Gold Cup here. And um, he gets to leave at the end of the season. And so Louisville's only able to get a $100,000 offer from Sociedad in, in Spain for him uh, because of this contract that I mentioned earlier about Hackworth leaving the club. And now Gomez can leave within the year on a free. So they sold him for just the first bidder that was willing to pay for him, right? Instead of do it for free. Um, so that's exciting for Louisville. That's exciting for Gomez. It's cool to see USL uh, players move on to really good clubs. Um, but Hackworth was part of that. I just wanted to mention that, but I, I just want to say that as a positive next to that, Hackworth is a great coach. Mostly good things coming from him with USMNT and with Louisville City. He did a great job following up after what John um, James O'Connor did there. Um, so a lot of faith in this guy. I'm really excited about the USMNT contacts, hopefully, that he is going to be able to maintain for our players and young players that can maybe move on to, to better things. What do you guys think about Hackworth? I mean, everything I've heard about Hackworth over the years is that he's a good coach um, and a good guy, a, a character guy. Um, he... He was the head coach of the U-17 national team that came to St. Louis in 2016 and played against the uh, St. Louis FC mm, U-18. That's right. Or was that the U-18 team that played the U-19? I don't know. But he played the new St. Louis FC Academy team, and that was uh, Josh Sargent versus uh, Jack Marr. <laughs> um, and, uh, of course, cool. uh St. Louis FC won that game with um, Seth Stiebel scoring on the penalty in... Uh, Love it. Yeah, and I think it was... Were you there? I think you were I there. I was there. Yeah. Uh, it was October 17th, 2016 or something like what that. What was the weather like? It was cold that day. <laughs> <laughs> it, wasn't, it wasn't too cold. There was a little bit of a breeze, but... Um, no, that was, that was a fun match, but Hackworth is, from all things, a, a good person to have involved in the organization, and I think Louisville is overreacting, or maybe their fans are a little bit, which isn't a shock. Um, Oof, their tweet. Yeah. Oof. Overreacting to just Hackworth and the contract negotiation, from what I understand and what some people pointed out, it's not a super unusual uh, contract clause and Santi maybe you can Beyond America Beyond America and I'm I don't know Santi do you know anything about that or? I don't uh, to me it was actually, I was actually surprised uh, to see that type of clause um, I um, So is Lou City apparently <laughs> Yeah Yeah I guess 
but yeah, I feel I'll feel bad for um, Louisville um, because when I started seeing uh, Jonathan Gomez play for them last year, he he played uh, he came to St. Louis to play against St. Louis FC and he played really well. I uh, I really like him and I have been uh, following him and watching how he plays. Uh, he is really good and always in the back of my mind I was like, oh. Lucid is gonna make a lot of money out of this, but I started thinking as a point. I wonder maybe his contract ends soon. At that point, those details weren't known, um, but it's bad that they they're not banking on on a big transfer for a player who is so good. Um, but back to uh, the Hawkward, um hiring or potential hiring, um, I think is great. Um, he has done a great job. Uh, with all the teams he has been part of, and I think he could be uh, great at uh, helping with the uh, development of the players in the St. Louis City Academy and MLS2 teams. It's just cool. Like, Hackworth's a quality guy, and they went out and they went after him the second he was available. Um, I've heard he's, he could have gone to multiple USL clubs. Yeah, he, he was linked to multiple USL clubs yeah. at coaching, including Indy. And so uh. I, I did hear that we didn't we weren't the cause of him leaving like it wasn't no. like he left for us that's for sure yes. yes and of all the things i mean his pedigree is is great and it will be even more important <laughs> and i think we'll have a lot more to say once we know his position because that that's going to be important too is it mm-hmm. is it a role as academy director type position um where he works in like as the almost like a liaison between the teams or uh, an assistant coach with the first team uh, maybe head coach of the reserve league. You don't know. Um, that that could be pretty cool because that would be a direct connection between the. That would make a lot of sense. Head it? coach of the reserve league. Yeah, yeah I like that. But I, I I'm still gonna always wonder what the real reason behind his leaving was. And and there's two schools of thought to me. There's the there's the cynical thought of he's over here making contracts with players saying if I leave you leave almost like a. Um, a suicide clause or something like that where <laughs> you go I go or if I go you can go it's called that now yes but but the other the other factor I think is is even more interesting for us and it's it's if if a player is of Gomez's quality is the only way you can get him is by saying you can play for me as your coach like we'll sign you and then you'll be okay to go if your coach goes because you know we talked about this before the show if you're a 17 year old kid and you sign for a club and your coach leaves after a year and you're left high and dry, you don't know what your development's gonna be. If you can, and you're that kid and that kid's agent, wouldn't you want to have a little more control over that situation? So it would, if that ends up being the case, we may never know. But if it does, speaks a whole lot to the quality of Hackworth and his relationship with uh, developing and development. Yeah, and I, I think there's a vital thing. I, I have this vibe, and it connects to the player we were talking about um, being announced and then the, the tweets being deleted immediately, um, that Hackworth has connections, right? Gomez was a Dallas FC Dallas uh, prospect, right? And he left so he could get first-team playing time. Mm-hmm. Smart move, love it. But Hackworth probably had a, a hand in like bringing huge, that kid over, right? Hand, yeah. So um, I'll also say about the the tweet that deleted. Um, you know, it's rumored that there's a kid coming to St. Louis. He is not from St. Louis, right? He's uh, under 18. Um, so if it's true, who knows? But that 
to me is very smart. We mentioned Sporting Kansas City. A lot of their, quote, homegrowns are not at all from Kansas City. No. Some have been from St. Louis, right? I think you mentioned Wilson recently this week. Um, a lot from North Carolina is where Busio's from, and Busio. I believe Jalen Lindsay's from there. I might be wrong. Uh, doesn't matter, right? Modern MLS is cutthroat. You figure out a way to get academy kids from wherever the heck they are. And I do believe at some point they're going to get rid of the the homegrown label that you'll be able to recruit anyone from anywhere. And I think that's a necessary move forward. We can talk about that another time. But it's also vital to be competitive in MLS if you want to rely on your academy to start stealing kids from other academies and other uh, homegrown regions. And so um, if it's true, Hackworth will be a really good person to have on hand. And also, if it's true that that kid's coming here, really awesome that St. Louis is already recruiting outside of the city. And not just outside of the city, but <laughs> if, if we're really talking about what MLS is now, they have those territories. So you, you, yeah. you do have those, those areas around each team where the team has the sole rights to those players. So for St. Louis to be able to know those rules, manipulate those rules yes, to that extent, exactly. bodes really well. For a lot of other stupid, crazy oh. MLS rules, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, we don't want to pull an inner Miami, but we will pull all the other BS, five right? Or six DPs. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Who just came in today for them? Um, oh, Ventura. Ventura Alvarado. Yeah. Alvarado. Who's a name I haven't heard in a long time. Mm. So. He was captaining a Liga MX team last year, and then he fell off this year, so here we are. Uh, A couple more things I want to hit before we go. Um, We'll try to be fast, guys. I'm sorry. Christian Fuchs, we wanted to mention that. Stu, uh, there's an important thing I put in the uh, thing here, and it's no surprise that I'm going to ask you about Christian Fuchs being 35 and playing for an MLS team next year. Yeah, so Christian Fuchs, a very interesting character. He's Austrian. He captained, uh, or was one of the captains of the Lister City team that that, uh, won the 2015 uh, Premier League title. And uh, he played in Premier League last year. Really uh, unusual thing about him is he, his family has lived in New York City since at least 2014 or so they've they've been in the u.s for a long time and he has a an academy that he helps run or maybe even founded in the u.s for quite a while as well so he almost moved to mls before he moved to lister or before the year they won the title so he's kind of an unusual character to say the least so um, yeah, at 35, he's moving to Charlotte Independence, um, and he is one of... On loan from Charlotte On loan from Char- Charlotte FC, and um, I didn't see him play last year, honestly, so I can't see how he'll function, but... Had a nice personality at the Euros. He was one of the ESPN commentators. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, you can't go wrong with having some level of you know, veteran leadership. Yeah. Um, and yeah, to lead into that, the natural thought is, will a guy like Tim Ream be joining St. Louis city? Um, the age is about the same. He would be 35. Yep. Tim, you know, Player, Tim will be the same coach. Tim's mm-hmm. uh, birthday is in October. So he might be 34 for that first season for the first few months of it 
or he'll be 35 for the first few months. But yeah, Tim's contract at uh, Fulham runs through next summer. And if they get promoted or not, it wouldn't surprise me if he leaves. But he sticks around Fulham under Marco Silva. He's captained three straight friendlies for them. So he seems to be locked in. But at the same time, him and Kristen own a house in uh, O'Fallon. So I know he's looked into doing some coaching. He's doing a lot of coaching stuff over with uh, a couple schools over in London. So I don't know. Got a lot of friends and family here. Yep. He does. Still. And uh, Christian Fuchs is also a uh, left-footed defender who can play fullback and center back, correct? Yeah. I'm just saying. Just saying. Uh, <laughs> you don't want to get in a Shawcross situation, though. I mean, Shawcross looked awful a couple mm. times this year. and But to be fair, Shawcross looked awful in the championship for about the last two and a half years. So yeah. uh, if you're buying a player that looks bad in the championship he's probably not going to look great in mls and agree luckily for us uh i think rim Reem is still a championship level but we'll see yeah i agree with that so far um we will see he did captain a preseason game just the other day right yeah i think he's captain three, three. straight um for Fulham. you think he'll be in the starting lineup for them in the championship uh, it'll be, be between him and Congolo uh, and maybe Hector. But I think he has a really good chance. Silva seems to like him a lot. All of every single coach, and it's it's an unusual thing that you see with players. When managers change, they seem to like to change and move in their guys. And Marco Silva will be the fifth manager that Reem will play under. And it seems like every mm. single manager he wins their favor and that's uh, I mean I think there's something we said there agree let's talk about Aiden Stanley shortly um, you know let's re-mention that Ben Sweat went down uh, Stuart mentioned Ben Sweat <laughs> earlier so we gotta say I think it was with an ACL so he was probably gonna be the starting or second string left back um, Cole Monich is um, the new starter or maybe he was always gonna be the starter a 21 year old from Slovenia who has just been getting um, raved about in a lot of the podcasts I've been listening to. MLS Assist named him as one of the most talented, underrated MLS players in the entire league, right? Not just at Austin, but just in the entire league. So that's who Aiden is behind, right? Is Kolmanich, and if Ben Sweat were to come back, he'd probably slot in ahead of Stanley. Um, Matt, we were talking about Aiden. Aiden's ratings tend to be similar to Kolmanich's, though, so that's a good sign, at least. Um, He's, he consistently rates six or higher on the on the pitch. He just hasn't gotten a whole lot of minutes. 118, to be yeah. exact, so far. But he did get the friendly against Tigres, I believe. The Tigres, other yep. Yeah. yep. So that's cool. Um, he's getting experience, and he just got He just has to keep working, right? I know I talked to his dad. I don't think his dad would mind me mentioning the fact that he went to Portland, too, in order to kind of work his way up to being MLS level by the time the team started. I think, so I think point, it's a goal of his to be here at some point. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. He's, he's, Aiden's definitely not been shy about wanting to play in St. Louis for MLS at some point. And at this point, it's getting exposure. It's getting minutes. It's, it's being able to showcase, you know, what, what you have to offer. If if you have somebody, if you're sitting there second 
second string, second tier of your position with Austin, you just want minutes. Mm -hmm. Like you just need to be able to to get the work in, um, make sure you're not you're not rusty, you're staying sharp, and then you know if there ends up you know for his case with Colmanich there, hopefully there's a better opportunity, or he fights his way into that first string. You just want to you just want to see him play. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and we'll take the Ben Sweat thing. You know, don't like to see a player go down, but we're rooting for Aiden, and now he has a better chance, so that's nice. It's all about taking advantage of the opportunities. Yeah, for absolutely. Sure, no matter how they come. Jack Mayer has had an interesting season. You know, he was supposed to get some time with Charlotte, and then uh, COVID hit, and um, MLS's back tournament happened, and they needed him, right? So he got one game in with a red card, I believe, and then uh, got called yeah. back to Nashville for the rest of the season. So he didn't get many minutes in that regard either, unfortunately, but he did get five games with San Diego Loyal. Um, I thought that was interesting. I was sad to see him go because I thought Nashville was going to send him there for the season, but they recalled him after 450 minutes. He got an assist with San Diego. And now with Nashville in his first game, he got a goal. In his, goal. in his second game, he got an assist. Um, and since then, he's gotten 442 minutes. Um, he did go into COVID protocols for the last two or three games. I think I looked it up. Um, but Zimmerman's been out with the Gold Cup. Um, obviously, a bad injury with Zimmerman. And so we knew Mayer would get minutes. Um, he's been getting them since Zimmerman's been gone. Now COVID's interrupting that. Hopefully, he's back this week. Um, what do you guys think about Jack Mayer and MLS in Nashville and San Diego this year? He's made the most of his opportunities. I mean, that's almost best-case scenario where you were a little bummed that he wasn't going to get playing time with Nashville, gets loaned to San Diego, and he played, I think, all 90 minutes of, what, the four games that he played for them? Yeah. And, and then to be able to just get recalled and pick up right where he left off with San Diego. And he took that team by storm. He ingrained himself with their fans. I mean, he, he was making plays. Yeah, I'm a huge fan of Jack. He's, he's a great guy. I mean, watching him for years, he's... He doesn't shy away from a challenge, and he he steps up. And uh, you know, sounds selfish, but part of me is a little. I was I was hoping he'd end up in St. Louis, but uh, looking at the way he's playing in Nashville, you get the feeling he's a he's a fixture in Nashville for the next you know few years at least, unless you know Lutz makes some wheeling and dealing or something. But he's. He has all the tools to be a incredible player, and if he puts the tools together the rest of this year, the rest of next year, I mean, next year he might be playing in Europe. I mean, he could possibly. He's he's bulked up uh, physically and technically. He's he's sound. Um, he's a very mature guy. He has the work rate. I mean, if you're if you're a coach looking at a player that you want to bring into your club, I, I'd imagine he he hits high on all a whole lot of boxes. Um, so I you know I think Jack has a lot going for him. The COVID protocol stuff, he was out with COVID protocol stuff last year after the MLS's back tournament. I forget. Um, hmm, I forgot that. He missed two or three games last year because of it, and this will be his third game this weekend missing this year. So that's certainly a disappointment. Um, 
Bad timing. Bad timing. He could for have started him, all of these games. I think he's shown enough, and um, you know they they love him in Nashville, and they should. I mean, yeah. He's, their supporters came all the way here for him. <laughs> yeah. yeah, love that. Uh, hey, it was fun. Um, they got lucky that that Nashville got them. Yeah, right. Miami didn't take them. Absolutely. Do you guys think uh, Lutz is keeping an eye on players like Jack and uh, Aiden? I think he should. I mean, I hopefully he's at least reached out to you know Aiden's dad and and the Mar family. I mean. Other than Jack, there's there's Joey who's highly rated, and then there's you know Josh Marr. So, if Aiden or if Lutz hasn't talked to the Marr family, then I would be disappointed. Yeah. I would kind um, of be shocked. It'd be a mistake. I would be shocked. <laughs> I'd go as yeah. far to say as it would be a mistake. As, as, I mean, as, I mean, the we saw that you saw the road trips that they took earlier this year, last year, um, meeting everybody in the community. There's no way that the, he didn't make a connection with yeah. the Marr family. Yeah, and and someone like uh, you know Tim Twelman has connections. Tim, Tim knows the Mar family. Um, the St. Louis soccer community is pretty small, especially at the youth level. So, you know they know each other. The Rankins know the Twelmans mm-hmm. and the Mars and the and the Moonies and um, Lutz should he has an easy connection to talking to those people. So. I would trust he is reaching out, and um, you have to imagine that if someone of the caliber of, you know, Lutz as the you know, sporting director that he is with his background, you give him the time of day to listen to him. So, if it just goes back to the point of at least on paper, and you have to believe it's playing out this way that you have the best of all the worlds here. With you have the worldly, uh, globally known Lutz who is getting that pipeline to Germany that Andreas is showing. You've got the worldwide talent on your staff, but you have that massive local footprint that just covers so many bases and has so many connections. And so one of the concerns way back when, when Lutz first got hired, were having those local connections, being able to make those inroads, the the Dan Flynn um, history. You wanna have somebody who can make those connections to everybody the people that Lutz has surrounded himself with are the answer to that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I, in addition to that, it's just the question of, you know, I guess it's a awkward timing, if you want to put it that way, with a guy like Jack or Aiden or Schulte or Kip Keller or Jansen Miller, who, in theory, I think they all, I mean, obviously Aiden and Jack are MLS quality now, but Patrick is is certainly MLS quality in my mind, and I yeah. think Jansen will be, and Dan Mooney, and and a few other guys around St. Louis who should, I mean, it all depends on how MLS defines roster rules in 2022 or whatever, but ideally all those guys could make the next step up, and they're local, but can it be swung? I mean, can it, can it be happen? And you know, MLS has obviously bent rules in the past, and maybe some sort of rules can be bent to get some of these guys on. <laughs> well, Minnesota, oh, not, see it. Minnesota, not too long ago, put homegrown rights, or they got on Wea. Yeah, yeah, and they didn't have an academy at the time. Right. So, I mean, you're you're talking about there's precedent set for yeah. kids coming up, 
and City being able to claim them in various ways, whether it's homegrown or It'll eventually in the Super Draft. Yeah. Um, I think it's an awkward spot for us as fans more than anything else because we're at a point where we're speculating in the next year or two, um, and especially when our first team starts, how these guys that we're, we've been watching for the past few years are going to, are they going to integrate with the MLS team? Are they going to make an attempt, is City going to make an attempt to get um, Jack or Aiden or what about the next uh, next couple of years worth of guys? Are they going to have an opportunity with City in the reserve league or in the first team? Um, and none of them have any history with City. It's they're Gallagher kids, mm-hmm. they're Slough kids. They're, so it's that awkward time as a fan of That's true. of everybody that we know and we want to see succeed in the next couple of years has no association with City. Are they going to be part of their plans, or is City <laughs> going to develop their own? But then as the years go by and time continues to pass, it will become like we see the academy of city and those become our guys too well it it goes back to what we talked about with the umbrella program you know like they're not starting academies it's it's there's one top academy and then everything below that top academy is other st louis and regional academies right and they're all supposed to be integrated they're all supposed to feed the city academy we'll see if that works right but it shouldn't be awkward if that's worked perfectly uh, I think the only times it becomes awkward are with those other top tier organizations well like and that's what I mean or a Gallagher I agree and, and that's what I mean is they're supposed to be feeders now to city to some extent now they're going to compete in next and that'll be fun and so that's what I've always been worried about you know is like how politically do they make that work are they, is everybody going to be happy if that's the format right like it didn't seem like they asked Scott Gallagher permission to be like hey you're going to feed us right like you know like, <laughs> we'll give you guys training and maybe Scott Gallagher's like screw you we don't, we're fine we, we don't need training we don't need to trade training for giving you all of our best players or they may say that is the best pathway for our players let's do this and then that's where my point's about uh, solidarity payments you know what I mean like I mean, if there's money involved then maybe they'd be more than happy to do that kind of thing you could kind of read something into this, the year the City Academy starts up Gallagher starts up a USL League 2 team like sure we've got our absolutely thing going on over here like, yeah. we don't need to be a city feeder we, we've got our path to MLS right here and those games were so much fun this year you know absolutely yeah it, it'll it's, be not, fun. it's not bad for kids to have opportunity though so I mean no. the, the more opportunity the better if City wants to be the, the pinnacle quote unquote and Gallagher and Fuse are pathways to the pro in their own rights and they're still churning out talent like they always like Gallagher always has especially it's a win-win I think for the area I completely agree whether it's peaceful or not you know what I mean it's gonna it's gonna be fine and I, you know I'm just I'm not I'm not taking sides here either I'm, I'm interested to see how it plays out and I'm rooting for for the kids mostly <laughs> um, but that's what I wanted to end on with Jack Mayer is that um, you know I think we we have a chance here in St. Louis with the global connections to be something like an FC Dallas or a Philadelphia Union the pipeline could be that easy and that clear there's even rumors about that kind of thing and so um, players may be like flocking to St. Louis because they know it can lead to something special like Justin Shea and Chris Richards and um, Aronson you know heading over there and Paxson's gonna be next I'm sure and so um, St. Louis could be one of those those places where that is an easy move and we may be drawing people from all over the country and hopefully especially a magnet for the local area is uh, to get them to Europe, in my opinion. I hope that's that's something that happens, and it's very possible, if not likely. So a lot of exciting things to happen. Um, like I said, we're on an hour and a half, so if you started listening to this and you're driving to Columbia, welcome to Columbia. Um, <laughs> but um, we're going to come back, and we'll have a shorter episode next time now that we've kind of caught up. Um, really excited for that. We're going to be a little more regular. Thank you guys for chatting with me, and if you're listening still, thank you for listening. We'll talk to you soon.